0: Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, March 29th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey and Connecticut. And it includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Taylor Masetta. Time to take a look at today's headlines. This week, a federal ruling was lifted that previously stopped New York regulators from giving out cannabis licenses. The Office of Cannabis Management will now be able to grant permits to applicants in Central and Western New York, Mid-Hudson and Brooklyn. New York lawmakers say that they are planning to double the amount of available licenses. In a statement, Governor Kathy Hochul said for the first time, New Yorkers in nearly every region of the state will have access to safer, high-quality, adult-use cannabis products. The injunction on cannabis licenses still remains in the Finger Lakes region. New Yorkers are advocating for a number of issues today. The students and faculty at Williamsburg Charter High School in Brooklyn rallied for gun reform alongside representatives from New Yorkers Against Gun Violence. They marched to Justice Gilbert Ramirez Park in Williamsburg. Protesters shared their own experiences with youth gun violence in the neighborhood. And across the East River in Manhattan, community members are organizing to support nail salon workers. Employees and allies are calling for the passage of the Nail Salon Minimum Standards Council Act. That's a bill that would protect nail salon workers by recommending a fair minimum wage and providing sufficient health protections. The bill is currently being discussed in the Assembly Committee of the New York State Senate. Also in Manhattan, home health care workers continue to advocate for the passage of the No More 24 Act. The act is sponsored by New York City Councilmember Christopher Marte and supported by the Ain't I a Woman campaign. Vision Sifu Sifu is an organizer for Ain't I a Woman. He described why the No More 24 Act is so important.
1: The 24-hour shifts have destroyed their health, mental health, physical health, and also uh, affect their family relations because uh, usually they work 24 hours per day. They cannot see their family.
0: Advocates are hoping for the passing of the No More 24 Act in the coming days. Outside City Hall, workers in the hospitality industry gather to oppose a new city council bill. The new bill, Intro 814, could allow third-party food delivery services, like DoorDash and Grubhub, to charge restaurants more to use their services. The prescription nasal spray Narcan is the first naloxone product to be sold over-the-counter. That was announced by the Food and Drug Administration this morning. Naloxone reverses the effects of opioid overdoses. The FDA said they will now work with stakeholders to facilitate the distribution of Narcan. They say it may take months. Other forms of naloxone will remain only available by prescription. The Food Bank for New York City celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. Today, the Empire State Building glows orange and blue to honor the Food Bank. The Food Bank for New York City has provided New Yorkers with over 1.2 billion meals since 1983. Today, the nonprofit is helping 1.6 million New Yorkers in need. The Academy of Country Music Awards has quite the star-studded lineup hosting its upcoming show. It was announced this morning that Dolly Parton and Garth Brooks are slated to host. This is Brooks' first time ever hosting an awards show, while Parton hosted this last year. The Academy looks to recognize both rising and established country stars during the ceremony. The ACM Awards will stream live exclusively on Prime Video on May 11th. In today's entertainment history, we've been standing under Rihanna's umbrella for 16 years. Umbrella held the number one spot on Billboard for 10 consecutive weeks. It was the longest running number one track by a female artist since Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. In honor of Women's History Month, WFUV will be featuring a series of stories that explore complex women's health issues. In part two of this two-part series on women in New York City with HIV and AIDS, WFUV's Leah Mallory speaks with Dr. Stella Safoe, a New York-based HIV and AIDS physician, and Jackie Kilmer, the CEO of Harlem United, an organization that provides HIV medical
2: services to underserved communities in New York. Last week, in part one of this series, I interviewed Ingrid Floyd and Lucille Grant from the Iris House, to learn more about the services they offer to women affected by HIV and why they are needed. Today, in the second part of this two-part series about the impact of HIV on women, I explore some of the available prevention and treatment services to understand how HIV has become a manageable chronic condition. Dr. Stella Safo is an HIV primary care physician in the city who works with hundreds of HIV patients. She explains how the treatment options have evolved.
1: It used to be a daily pill. That pill had some side effects. There's a new pill that's even better. And now, instead of a pill, there are um, injections that you can get. You can get every couple of months that will prevent you from getting HIV, even if you're exposed.
2: The pill Dr. Safo is talking about is called pre-exposure prophylaxis, also known as PrEP. This is just one of the treatment options around today to help people with HIV. But Dr. Seffal explains that many patients prefer injectables.
1: People love the idea of the injectables because they can come in, get the injection, and not have to have any other signs that they're taking any medications. So, you know, I think it plays in lots of different ways across the treatment and the prevention pathways.
2: Although there are many more treatment options available today, Dr. Sappho says her major concern is the patients that don't seek treatment.
1: So, patients that come in pretty regularly, HIV is a disease that still requires you to come in every four to six months or at least once a year. And so, it's the patients who haven't yet been diagnosed or who've been diagnosed and are not engaged in care that I really worry about because HIV is a progressive disease. So, if you don't treat it, you will most likely die of it.
2: Sappho says there are several obstacles that keep people from seeking and receiving care.
1: I think that people are nervous to be seen as worrying about HIV sometimes, and so they don't even get to ask about things like, you know, pre exposure prophylaxis. And I think the stigma, maybe like the assumptions that are made affect providers' willingness to bring up, you know, you as a woman, maybe you should be on press, right? People are afraid that they may insult someone when they offer it, when in reality, it should be offered to more people.
2: She says one of the largest obstacles is how HIV has been represented historically.
1: The story of HIV is one that's told from the perspective of men and the face that people kind of think of for HIV in the 80s is really white men. And that has meant that it has really obscured and obfuscated the reality that women are really deeply impacted.
2: Saffo explains that even research tends to neglect how women are impacted by HIV. Considering global HIV rates, we're actually spreading the fastest in heterosexual relationships.
1: The research tends to focus on men, men who have sex with men. The advertisements tend to focus on that population as well. So women, some women, feel like they are actually less at risk. So women are going into the health center and not being offered pre exposure prophylaxis when they may actually be at risk.
2: Dr. Safo says that addressing stereotypes about HIV can only be changed by talking about it.
1: There's a tremendous amount of work that I think has to happen for women certainly for certain historically marginalized groups like Black women, Latinx women, truly really be able to address some of the special issues around access, around stigma.
2: Dr. Safo explains that a way to do this is to have trusted figures in communities to debunk the myths surrounding HIV
1: seeing the face of people with HIV reflected back to you that look like you and seeing them living their full lives. It shouldn't just be public health people and doctors talking about this stuff. It should be trusted messengers within the community. Particularly to reach women, I think you have to really think about where are women congregating and who do they listen to. They listen to their grandmothers, their mothers, their friends. And how do we get that message to those individuals so that they can spread it.
2: And among those trusted messengers are local organizations and nonprofits. Harlem United Community Aid Center brings health care, housing, harm reduction, and supportive services to vulnerable populations in New York, particularly those affected by HIV and AIDS. CEO Jackie Kilmer says that it's critically important that organizations like Harlem United exist to provide care for these vulnerable individuals.
3: Because we are on the ground in the community We are the ones who are going to have the most effective impact on building trust and building relationships with people in the community, including women in the community, you know, to bring them in, to get them in access to care um, and get them, retain them in care.
2: Kilmer says that they use every opportunity to raise awareness about how women can be affected by HIV.
3: They need to be tested for HIV We need to make sure that women understand that using condoms is really one of the most effective ways to prevent HIV transmission.
2: She says quality health care is also crucial in securing effective treatment.
3: I think on the policy side, it's again, it's increasing access to health care, improving education about HIV and AIDS and also you know also addressing all of the social and the economic impacts that really create uh, or, or or contribute to hiv and aids and contribute to the disparities we see between women and and men
2: and dr Sappho agrees Adding that the healthcare system is difficult to navigate.
1: Calling to make appointments, some patients are waiting for 10 minutes just to talk to someone to make an appointment. It is difficult for some patients to navigate the electronic medical record to be able to talk to me, to get medications when they need it. So, what are some of the things that the health system is doing that makes it difficult to be able to actually get patients to engage to get the care that they need?
2: Dr. Safo says that a way to improve the healthcare system is by making HIV testing more readily available.
1: I think they need to make it easier, more permissible and acceptable for people to go ahead and get tested. So if you think about COVID testing, you make COVID testing available to everyone in their homes and they could do it. We need a similar frame to make testing available and easy in that way for HIV.
2: Every day, there are people newly diagnosed with HIV. And every day, the work continues towards eradicating this disease for good. Ingrid Floyd and Lucille Grant of the Iris House Jackie Kilmer from Harlem United and physician Dr. Stella Cefo, have shown us through their efforts that HIV is indeed conquerable. And that for women with HIV, your struggle, your voice, and your humanity is acknowledged in the battle towards complete eradication of this virus. With WFUV News, I'm Leah Mallory. That was WFUV's Leah Mallory
0: talking with Dr. Stella Safoe and Jackie Kilmer about the medical needs of women in New York City with HIV and AIDS. And that's our show for today. I'm Taylor Massetta. And I'm Maya Sargent. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.